we don't live in a world that's under the system of this world. Praise the Lord, because there's so much happening in the world today. Unrest. Our faith, our hope is put fully, confidently in Him. He is our strength. It says that He, in your favor, our horn, our strength, is exalted. Because of His favor, we exist. And I've been hearing so many stories of God's faithfulness coming in to provide uh, financially and different miracles that even in times of, of difficulty and struggle, God's faithfulness comes in. And it's wonderful to see those miracles. And to just grow in our confidence, we have to continually put our faith and trust that this world belongs to Him. And that no matter what happens, we are His children and He takes care of His children. We want to receive the offering this morning and, and as we give, we want to give joyfully. Father, we thank You for, for who You are. We thank You that You are Creator, Sustainer of all things. God, we, once again, we commit our lives into your care and our trust. Fathers, we give of our finances this morning. Lord, we do it out of obedience and out of trust in you. God, that the heavens are yours and the earth also, the world in all its fullness. God, we trust you and we look to you. Father, we give out of a, of a faithful and obedient heart this morning. I ask that you would continue to meet our, our needs personally, meet the needs of the congregation of Big Bear Christian Center. Expand your kingdom, further your gospel here in this valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks to all who were able to come yesterday and help decorate the church, get the tree up. Youth caroling is happening on Tuesday, December 20th. And so if you're young or want to be young, go and join them. It's open to adults. They always enjoy having adults come with them. If you want to do that, you can also ask uh, if there's anyone that you would like to be caroled. You can, you can ask the youth group to go and carol that particular house. If, if you want to, them to sing bad, they can do that too. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually right in there. It was coming up next. That's yeah. <laughs> um, uh, on Sunday, uh, December twenty third, in our normal service, we've got a couple, a number of things happening. It's going to be really exciting. And one is uh, Josue and Nancy Lemos from Guatemala will be coming and sharing in our morning service that day. That is also having our children's production during the service. And so we're going to be having that. And then after service, we're going to have an opportunity to meet the cast of the play here. And so you can get a chance to mingle, actually, with the stars of the play that's being on. We're going to have a potluck, a Christmas gathering right after service on that day to, to just fellowship and, and to have some time. And so that's what we've decided to do is on that Sunday, the 23rd, um, right after service, we'll be doing that. And it will also be a chance for you to get to know Josue and Nancy a little bit better if you've never met them. And autographs, yes. The, I think the kids are already thinking about how much they're going to charge for those. And uh, but no, it'll be a great time. So so be put that on your calendar. And then Monday night, Christmas Eve, we'll be having our uh, candlelight service on Christmas Eve. 
The children will be also doing the production one more time on that evening. So if you've got friends and family that can't come on the Sunday, bring them out on Christmas Eve. If your child is in that production, please don't go anywhere on Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, we need them in the in the play. So um, I'm sorry. I can't I can't hear out of one of my ears, and so I'm really kind of foggy. And when I hear noises, they're coming from all different directions. So forgive me if I act if, if it's a little strange, because it's really strange for me. I feel like half of my head is underwater. So uh, make sure we don't miss those dates, Sunday the 23rd, 24th, and of course, uh, celebrate together with Christmas. I want to encourage us all, too, as we, as this is happening, be, let's be aware of this season is difficult for people. There's some people alone, and let's not let people be alone for the holidays. Let's make sure that our community is activated. That's one of the reasons we do life groups is to help people to, to have a community. We need to be, belong to a community. And I know not everybody's in a life group, and, and that's fine, but one of the purposes is so that people will have family and friends in a community. So be aware of those that might be alone for the holidays, and um, maybe you could invite them for the morning, for the evening. Uh, just include them in some of your, your uh, festivities and the way you celebrate. Uh, and if we do know of somebody, if you find somebody who's, who, who's not going to be able to have Christmas dinner or something or who, let us know. Let's see if we can meet the needs of our, of our community. And also, it's a great way to reach out to your neighbors um, in, in the holiday season. Show them the true reason for the season, which is Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, fathers, we get into the time of the word this morning. I just ask that you would continue to be in our presence. God, help us to be in your presence. Encourage us, challenge us this morning. Help us to, to really see what the reason is for this. And let's be inspired by the things in the word. Let us be inspired by the Christmas story in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Christmas, I, I hate to use the word, but it's, it's, it's appropriate in, in not the literal sense, but it's a magical time of year. There's something about the Christmas season. It's, it's a time of hope. It's a time of faith. It's a time of rejoicing. It's time for family and friends to rejoice together in relationships that we have for one another. It should be a time that we can rejoice and celebrate the blessings that we have and most of all the gift that we have in Jesus. Christmas brings us all together and for us as Christians this should be, it should be such a high point of, of our Christian faith. And you know, whether you do Santa Claus at home or not, we have a Santa Claus under the tree bowing down at the manger. You know, there was a guy named Saint Nick, and he worshipped the Lord. But whether you do that, or not, don't get lost in in the lights. Don't get lost in Santa Claus. Don't get lost in those things. Those things can be part of your celebration. But let's make sure we're focused on the reason. There's a reason that that. And if you're offended about the tree, I apologize. We never want to do that. But usually, there's sometimes somebody who really feels it's inappropriate to have a Christmas tree they, in in the sanctuary. But the Christmas tree. For me and for, for many, it's made of an evergreen. And evergreens represent eternal life. There's, 
uh, things on the tree, the, the lights remind us that Jesus was the light of the world. Um, the ornaments and the gifts can remind us that Jesus gave us the gift of life. And so we don't want to ever be, have a stumbling block or be a fence. But these things, when I see it, I choose, and it's a choice, to be reminded to be focused on, on, the, on the Lord. And, and it's easy to get off. It's easy to get unfocused and, and see the things of the world. But Christmas, it's, there's something special this time of year. And we see it even in those who don't believe in Christ. There's something magical, but they're, they're missing the reason. They haven't found the reason for the season. This morning, we're going to begin a journey to Bethlehem. Over the next three weeks, we're going to take this journey, journey, we're going to see the sights and we're going to meet the people involved in the most incredible event of all mankind. Over the next few weeks, we'll see a young maiden, yet to be married, have her life turned upside down, yet her faith will rise above it. We'll meet shepherds and a priest that encounter the same angels that they encountered, will encounter the same angels that they encountered as they were in the temple and on the hillside of Judea. We'll travel from Nazareth to Galilee along the 70 to 100 mile trek that, that Joseph and Mary took and where baby Jesus would be born because of that census. And I think 70 to 100 miles. It, 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 the, the journey really is about a 70 mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But that's a straight shot. It's very likely that they didn't go that route. They probably went around and did about 100 miles that's walking to LA. And I just let's let's go, let's start. And and you know, yeah, being being pregnant no less. Uh, and not having you know, if we if we just got and started walking on the roads, at least we know that the roads were there and we could walk on them. Let's take those out of the way. No roads, we're just going to walk through the dirt and the desert of, of what it used to be. A 100-mile trek we're going to go along that for, for part of the journey. We'll follow the star, and I, that cute little star in the video was just hilarious. It was just twinkling and things. That was, that was great. But we're going to follow that star that led the wise men, and we'll celebrate with the Magi as they came and they gave gifts to baby Jesus. We'll celebrate with the parents of this newborn babe who was born in the world that we too, that we also might be born Again, Christmas is a magical time of year. It's a time for hope. It's a time for faith. It's a time for rejoicing. And, and it's a time for miracles. And some of us in here need a miracle this morning. Let's put our faith and our hope into this miracle maker, into the season maker, into Jesus. This morning I'd like to present to you not Jesus, not Mary or Joseph, his mother, father but i want to present to you an uncle and an aunt of jesus this morning we're going to find that the christmas story doesn't start with mary and joseph it starts not in bethlehem not in nazareth but it actually starts in the temple right in jerusalem with a priest named zacharias some of your bibles will say zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. I want to read Luke chapter 1. And we'll be in Luke this morning. Luke 
starting in verse 5, chapter 1, Luke 1. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. We're going to stop. We're going to read this whole account as we get to know Zacharias and Elizabeth just a little bit this morning. But as we read there, they were both righteous, it says. What a statement. What a beautiful picture it's giving of this, this couple. They were both righteous and they walked and they followed the ordinances of God. They were an older couple who all their life just followed the Lord. Zacharias was a priest. We get to find out some things that that, that entailed. But, and they served the Lord, but it says that they were childless. They had no child. Right there would be a cause for them to not rejoice in God, to not follow the Lord. In, in that time, even as today, those, but especially in that, in that time, having a child was the sign of favor from God. It was a sign of, that you were favored, that you were blessed of God. And to not have a child could mean that you were not, just didn't have his favor, but maybe you had his displeasure. Maybe you had done something wrong and God had held back a child from you. Now, that's not the case because it says that these were both righteous people and yet they had no child. They had reason to gripe and complain, but they served the Lord faithfully. They followed him in their old age. We also find that they had prayed. They had prayed their whole life to have a child. As Elizabeth was beyond the years to have children, she was getting along in age. She saw her friends. Remember, this is the time that it was not uncommon to be married at 13 years old. It was not uncommon to be married at 13. Often, they would marry just about that time, just as a girl. They would betroth their daughters to be married at about the time that they would start going through puberty. One of the reasons was so that they wouldn't, there wouldn't be any sexual immorality and that she would be able to marry as a virgin. So between 13 and usually not much later than 16, they were married. So she saw her little girlfriends, her little girls that she knew get married and have a child. And then by the time they were 26 or 28 or 30, maybe at the oldest, she saw her friends have their grandchildren. And she didn't have any. She didn't have that child. She didn't have that grandchild. She was possibly, possibly old enough to see her friends with their great-grandchildren. And she was withheld. This glory, this blessing, having children was a blessing. For a man to have children, to carry on the name and to take over and to be part of what the family did was a big part. And he wanted a son. In this, in this era, sadly, there wasn't as much value on women. But they, they loved the children and they wanted a, a son. And so here... Zacharias was in the same boat. He didn't have a son. And it says, we'll read in a moment, that Elizabeth was barren. He could have been angry and he could have blamed her and he could have been angry at God that God did not give him a son to carry on in his steps. But no, it says that they were righteous and they followed God. They 
they looked past the idea. They got past it. That maybe they had done something wrong. See, God, it wasn't God's displeasure that they didn't have a child. But we're going to we find that it was for a specific reason. God had a plan. But sometimes the world, the people around us will tell us, you're going through this trial because you haven't been faithful to God. This is happening because of a sin and you're reaping a consequence of sin. What have you done? Though that can be true and we need to always look at it, that is not always the case. We need to be open to what's going on in our life to see the trials and the circumstances, even as Zacharias and Elizabeth did and said, no, we love, the, we love you, God. We're not going to believe that you are unhappy with us and that you're displeased with us. We're going to follow you and we're going to serve you. We need to follow their footsteps and not jump on the bandwagon when somebody else is going through something and to be pointing the finger and saying, well, the reason you're having this issue is because. And we need to be careful not to do that ourselves and fall into a trap of despair because maybe we felt that God's hand is no longer on us, no longer able to redeem us. We need to press into the Lord and say, no, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to follow you. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, verse 8, and they were both well advanced in years. I'm, just, I'm always curious, but I always, I've, every time I read this, I go, how, how advanced is that? Well advanced. Because Elizabeth's about to get pregnant. You know, and I think some of you in this room, if you were to end up pregnant tomorrow, We'd be going, wow! <laughs> they had a lot of years together where they grew in the Lord. They learned a lot in their time. It's good for us younger people to look at those who've walked with the Lord for a long time and learn from them. Learn the steadiness and the faith that they have. Verse 8 so says, So it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Priests would serve at the temple for one week at a time. They would go with their selected group and they would serve at the temple for a whole week and do the offerings and the lighting of the incense and the different duties that they, the priest would perform at the temple. And they would do this twice a year. They do this their whole life as priests. And they would cast a lot to see which priest got to go in and light the incense. And it was by lot. And they believed. We will see casting of lots was, was allowing God to choose. We see that even in the book of Acts before the Holy Spirit fell, because after the Holy Spirit, you never see casting of lots any longer. I believe that's because we can hear from the Holy Spirit and He can speak directly to us. But they would cast lots, even to find out which disciples should replace Judas. So they would cast lots, but it wasn't, it wasn't gambling, and it wasn't just, oh, well, let's just roll the dice to see. They believed that God's favor and God's hand was on the lots. And they would cast lots 
to see who would, which of the priests got to go in and do the service, to go in and do the incense. But it was such an honorable thing that you could only do it once in your entire lifetime. You would never do it twice. And some priests never got the opportunity to do it. They would maybe serve their whole, because of the lot was, would not fall to them. So some priests, and so because you could only do it once in your lifetime, and it's happening now to Zacharias, what does that say? Again, he waited his whole life, and the lot never fell to him. And so there, what a blessing. He has no idea what's about to happen to him, but the lot falls to him, and he says, it's my opportunity to go in and light incense into the temple, be in the Lord's presence this time. So he went in, and his life is about to drastically change. Zacharias received a blessing from God just because of the opportunity of going in. And while he was in there, verse 10 says, the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Boy, I want to just stop and say, I'd like to see that. Wouldn't that be wonderful where the whole people were all praying at a certain time, joining together in one heart. Verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Wow. I don't picture angels like I used to when I was a kid. Angels used to be little fat cherubs and they played the harp and they were wimpy things and diapers. You know, when I get those little pictures of the angels. And I, I, you know, I, I had that when I was a kid, but as I grew up, I began to see warring angels, angels of power and strength and stature. And I, and I think, here he is, he's standing in the temple, and pow, an angel of the Lord appears before him. Let me catch my breath. There's an angel here. This isn't common. In fact, we got to remember that this is, the, this is the beginning of the New Testament, which doesn't exist for them yet. So what is it the end of? The Old Testament. And after the Old Testament was 400 years of silence. There was no progressive revelation. The, the scriptures were closed. They were waiting to hear from God. They were waiting for encounters of angels. Again, angels had been on the scene for thousands of years. Prophets had been on the scene. The voice of the Lord was being heard, and then there was silence. And so the first thing we're finding here is Zechariah. He's going, I get a blessing. I'm going to go in and be in the presence of the Lord and light the incense. And now an angel of the Lord shows up for the first time. Is this the first time in 400 years that an angel of the Lord, we don't know, we don't know for sure, but we know that, that nothing happened to, to be added to the Scriptures. So, so the assumption is that the Lord was quiet for those 400 years, and this is the first speaking to His people outside of the, can, the Scriptures that they had at the time. Wow. I mean, if, if that's exactly the case, Zechariah knew that. I mean, he knew that the Lord had been silent, and he gets the first visit. That's exciting. And so we see in verse 12, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. 
And I think that that could be a really good, healthy emotion there. Because God is coming down, and we know that in the angel of the Lord would come down before, there was sometimes he was coming down to pronounce a judgment. And he's going, why are you here now? What's happening? He was afraid. What is going on that I get to hear the angel of the Lord at this moment? The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. You know, it's the counsel we get from our friends all the time. Don't worry about the situation. Thanks for telling me. Don't be afraid. It's hard to get over that fear. It's hard to get over that. But the angel is saying, don't be afraid. He knows there's a good message coming. He says, I've heard your prayer. Have, how long have you prayed for things? 20, 30, 40, 40 years, 50 years? They'd prayed for a long time to have a child. And I'm sure he thought, well, let's, you know, stop praying. He says, I heard your prayer. Was he still praying? Was he still believing God for a miracle, even at this point in his life? If he was a man of faith, he would pray and pray and pray because he knew that God was able. God is able to answer even in your old age. God is able to answer even in your young age. God is able to overcome the obstacles. God is able to go beyond natural restrictions and overshadow your problem, your request, with an answer to prayer. And right there we should be encouraged. We should be encouraged that as we pray and we don't give up and we have that same attitude and heart of Zechariah, that God is listening and that at just the right time, He's going to come with an answer. Do not faint. Don't grow weary. Press in. Hear from the Lord. Your answer will come just not when you always expect it. I think there was, even if he was still praying, I'm sure he was struggling with, you know, a son, a child still. Press on. Even when the hour looks dark, don't give up. Zechariah saw him and he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. The angel said, do not be afraid. Your prayer is heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now we, we find here in just a little bit that the name John, there's nobody in his family, nobody in the family line that's, that's got the name John. And it was really important that you would name your child with somebody in the family lineage. There's got to be a connection of, of names, not like today where we just go by a, a baby name book and we'll look through and we find the name that looks really cute and we, we do that or, or we come up with really strange names because nobody's been named that ever. And, but there was a reason. You name your child a name that came from your family. And I don't know, as a guy, I'm sure he's going, man, I want to name, I mean, this is a kid in my old age. Can I just name him Zacharias Jr.? I mean, you know, this, look, look what I've done. The Lord says, no, you're going to name him John. I'm going to name him John. And we begin right now. There's a change. So 
We have Zachariah who's prayed, and Elizabeth, they've prayed for a child their whole life and haven't received that prayer. And the angel's there finally saying, it's coming. But he begins to lay out a vision that maybe Zechariah didn't have, maybe Elizabeth didn't have. You shall call his name John, and you'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. I imagine so. If Floyd and Darlene came next Sunday and said, we're pregnant. (laughs) It'd be a miracle. And after a while, we would finally rejoice. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that incredible? Many will rejoice at his birth. And verse 15 says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And there's a change beginning to happen here. I don't think that they ever prayed about having a Nazarite. Is he going to be a Nazarite? Is he going to can't drink strong drink? Is he going to be set apart, filled with the Holy Spirit? Were they, were they looking to have someone who would do great things for God, or were they just looking to have a child? And God's beginning to say, listen, you've been praying for something, but I have a plan for the thing that you've been praying for. And it's above and beyond anything you can think. I have a plan. You've been praying and you think you have an idea. You just want to have a little baby and you want to raise them and and you want to have grandkids and do that thing. But I've got a plan that's going to be beyond that. God often does that. He, He takes what we've been praying for and He gives it back. But He says, but listen, you think you have an idea, but I have a different one. For some, they're praying for their children to be saved. The children get saved, and I've seen this happen, and they want to have that relationship now with their saved child. And the child says, I'm going to the mission field forever. So you got a plan, maybe, and to see somebody come to faith and to celebrate that and to live together in, in, in your relationship in Christ and to see somebody grow up, and they say, no, I'm, God's called me to the mission field. For a parent, there's a time of rejoicing in that, but there's a time of difficulty and sorrow and sadness to think that your child may live in another country. God sometimes has a plan that's not exactly according to our thoughts. And Zechariah is beginning to see that. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. I've got a plan. I've got a plan for your child. And it's amazing. We need to be encouraged and have hope this morning that our prayers are being heard and that God can do an amazing miracle. Some of you have maybe prayed for a spouse for your whole life. and that, That's an amazing thing when a spouse gets saved. Shanna's still praying for me. 
But even then, that's another one. Wives who pray for their husband to get saved in their whole life, they've been the spiritual leader. They've raised their kids and they've brought their kids and they've made the spiritual decisions. They've prayed for their husband to come to Christ. And then they do. And then what happens? They're no longer the spiritual leader. The husband is. Something they've done their whole life is now given into the right place under the husband. And the husband leads the family in the spiritual things. And the wife at times goes, what are you doing? This isn't the way we do it. Sometimes we pray for things and the answer doesn't look exactly what we want. But trust him. Trust him. He's got a great plan. He's got great things as he answers your prayer. Verse 17, it says, He will also go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Isn't that great? I mean, come on. They just give me a kid. You're giving me a kid with the power of Elijah. Wow. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. These are huge, huge statements. And Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. I love the angel's response. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I mean, we've, we worship and we feel His presence come and We've had those moments where we've felt the presence and been in His presence, but to someday when the veil is completely gone, the veil of this earth and this terrestrial prison that we live in, we can fully see God and be in His presence 100%. That's what the angel just came out of. In the presence of God. If you want to get a picture of the presence of God, read Revelation and the power and the flashings of lightning that are coming from the throne and the angels, and there's power in the presence, and the angel says, I've been in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. Here comes the bad news. But, but, you don't know my husband. But, but you don't know my kids. They're really far away from God right now. But you don't know my financial situation. How is this going to happen? I came from the presence of God. And that's a moment though. we see the righteousness of Zechariah. We see him following the Lord. He's a priest of Almighty God who walked blameless in his sight and he was righteous in the sight of God and he followed the commandments of God and yet we see his faith wavered how can this be next week we're going to contrast mary next week we're going to hear what happens when the angel comes to her but but zachariah says i don't know about that how how is this going to happen and he says i'm from the presence god sent me but you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time.
Was he even scaring him a little bit more? He didn't give him a time frame yet for the baby to be born. He just says, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you're going to be mute until it does in their own time. Wow. Well, we know that we've got a minimum of nine months mute, not able to speak. And outside, the people are waiting for Zechariah, and they marvel that he lingered so long in the temple. And when you get into the presence of God, it's okay to linger. Linger in the presence of God so long that people around you begin to go, what's going on? As a congregation, we, we try to allow that in our times of worship to where if the people are in the presence of God and ministry is happening, we'll just stay there. That's, what, that's why sometimes for maybe some of you going, could we go to the next song now or could, what's, what's the next part of the service? If, if people, were, we believe that people are in the presence of God and we want to linger there. Let's just hang out in His presence. You know, more, more can happen in one second in the presence of God than an hour and a half of somebody preaching to you. And He lingered. And He was in His presence and He was listening. Don't be hurried. Don't be in a hurry, the Scripture says, to leave the presence of the King. But when he came out, verse 22, it says he could not speak to them. They perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them, and yet he remained speechless. And then verse 23 really struck me when I read it. So it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house. just been in the presence of God, an angel appears to you, tells you as an old man, as he declared, you're going to have a child. This child is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He's going to walk in the power of Elijah. People are going to rejoice. It's going to be awesome. And then he goes out and he finishes up his job. I'd be out of there. I'd be, I don't know what I'd do, but I don't think I'd finish up my job. I'd be, I'd just go home. I wouldn't be able to talk to my wife because I can't talk. But I see something in the character of Zacharias says, as soon as the days of his service were completed, he, though he had the, the most joy he had ever had in his life, he, had, he knew something was going to happen. It was going to be powerful. He was faithful in his service. He was a faithful man. He was faithful to serving at the temple, finishing out what was going on. And I, God, give us faithfulness. Give us faithfulness to, to finish the things that we're committed to. That's what we see is the life of the righteous man. He stayed and he waited and he finished out his service unto the Lord, unto the temple. Hmm. Now we go, we find Elizabeth in verse 24. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself for five months saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach 
among people. I don't, I don't want to be crass, so I'll, I'll try to say it carefully, but Zechariah had a plan. He says, when I get off of work, we got some baby making to do. So he goes home. Matthew and I were talking about this, and he says, he couldn't talk. How does he communicate this to his wife? <laughs> and, and I just wonder what her response was. Down boy. <laughs> he was, he was, I mean, I don't know. But he knew that, that this was going to happen, and she, she might have been going, what what are you what are you thinking? What a great ruse. You've tried a lot of things before, but this is a new one. <laughs> we don't see much of Elizabeth's what happened for her. We we don't we really don't see it. It says after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived. ladies that have had children you know that moment when you went I think I'm pregnant and if you had a few after a couple you went I know I'm pregnant you just it's what I've heard I've seen wow can you imagine what she was going through I mean it it did she? She didn't. Didn't say she got visited by an angel. She just got visited by her husband. <laughs> Did she really believe it? I don't know. We, we we're we're lost. We don't know. I mean, Zechariah was visited by an angel and he doubted. So I would imagine there might be some doubt in there until that day. Four, six, eight weeks. She went. And she hid herself away for five months. And I don't know well the culture, but, but the things that I've read is that it was normal at some point of the pregnancy for a woman to hide herself away. And, but, but it wouldn't be this long and it wouldn't be that soon. She hid herself away five months. And thus says the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. And just what? What was she doing? Preparing her heart, rejoicing in the Lord, spending that time with Him. I'm not, I'm not sure. These are all speculations, but something caused her to withdraw for that time as she was dealing with all these things that had come upon her. And to some degree, she must have been preparing herself. And we, when the Lord comes upon us, when the Lord has a promise for us, we need to be people who would prepare ourselves for the things he wants to do. To get away and to not be inundated with all the cares and the things in life, but to really hear from him, prepare our hearts to receive the promise and the gift. She 
doesn't say that she blamed God in there. Says he has dealt with me. He's taken away my reproach among people. She doesn't have the attitude, well, it's about time. Look at all the things that I've had to go through. You've given me a child this late in my life. I, will I be able to enjoy the child? I'm so old, I'll probably never see my grandchildren. God, why'd you wait so long? We have to guard our hearts because an answer might come. We have to guard it before the answer comes of not being bitter as they did. But even when the answer comes, we have to continue to guard our heart and not say, well, yeah, the promise came, but look at this and look at this and look at this. But hide yourself away and worship the Lord and get your heart right. The promise is coming and whatever that promise is, we want to look to God with joy and be thankful and be open to that which He wants to do through the promise. Find those times. And I believe that this, though this is a lifelong promise, we need to find those times daily to set, set yourself apart and hide yourself. When we talk about devotions, that's the desires that would find a place that you could hide away, just you and God. Not on the run, but sitting in His presence. And I'll tell you, it's really hard to do. It's just hard to do. But your heart begins to be prepared and you hear from God. You get ready for the things that God wants to do. God's given some of you some promises in here. Get away with Him. Prepare your heart. Worship Him. So that when He shows up, you're ready. We want to be ready for the promises of God to come. We want to be open to still praying for them and not just out of habit. If Elizabeth and Zechariah were still praying, then they still had a level of expectation. God's going to do this. Keep that expectation as you seek Him. As we celebrate this Christmas season, what are you hoping and expecting from God? He's going to meet with us if we'll allow that. Keep pressing in. Keep praying. This might be the season for a loved one to get come to Christ, to be saved. Learn from, learn from them to walk righteously in His sight, as Elizabeth and Zechariah did. Expecting good things, being faithful along the way to whatever God has called you in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we begin this journey to Bethlehem, taking a stop at the temple to see Zechariah and Elizabeth and their experience with you, what you did in their lives to fulfill what the scriptures had said. Lord, I can't believe that they had an inkling that John was the one to prepare the way of the Lord. That their son, 
would come, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight your paths. God, this morning, we're a people who've prayed for things, who've been seeking and asking. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to continue to knock. As Matthew 7 says, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. God, encourage us this morning to not give up and to know that your answer can still come. Let us be people who would be faithful to what you call us in the meantime. Whatever you've given to us, let us be faithful with it now as we look to you to answer our requests. Father, give us, give us faith in you that you can answer them however you desire. Let us learn from Zechariah that would just be, we don't have to ask how. Just so be it, Lord. Whatever it is, however you want to do it, do it, Lord. God, let us be as Elizabeth and find ourselves withdrawing alone and being with you and preparing our hearts, spending time with you, so that when the answer comes, we're ready to receive the answer. Lord, I, I really thank you for this Christmas season in celebration of you, celebration of hope, faith, of peace. Again, help our eyes to be open to those around us who are hurting and need the same message, that there is hope, that God has come to bring an answer. The answer is in Jesus. Be with us this week, Lord. In Jesus' name. I like cold coffee too. I just don't like lukewarm coffee.